Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Today I'm talking with Alberta farmer Kevin Auk. I first met Kevin when he was a director with Alberta Canola. Kevin is now a director and vice chair for Western Grains Research Foundation, a director with Alberta Pulse Growers, and chair of Pulse Canada. A couple months ago, I talked to Kevin about canola production in the brown soil zone, and he mentioned that his combine stripper header was an important part of his system. I told him at that time that I wanted to follow up for more details. This podcast is the follow-up. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, we farm uh, northwest of Lethbridge, kind of in a straight line between Lethbridge and Calgary at a little town called Carmagate. So I farm just southwest of Carmagate. How long has the farm been in the family? Uh, well, this one here, my dad bought this farm in 1963, um, but he moved from, uh, he was east of Barrens there and uh, they were they were farming east of Barrens and then they had an opportunity to buy this little farm here. So and I, uh, my grandpa came over and just helped him, but it was mainly my dad, right, um, that started this farm and then as I was growing up, I worked with dad and, and uh, you know, eventually uh, came back from university and, and, and uh, farmed with him until he retired. And now here I am. What do you like most about your farm location? Um, it's near cities, but it's not in the city or, or too close to a city, which has got its advantages. Um, but it's... Uh, you know, we get, we have to drive to get everywhere. So, <laughs> you know, we're not, uh, we, we are close to Calgary and, and Lethbridge, um, but we're, we're also, we have to drive to get there too, right? And, and it's about uh, a little over half an hour to get to Lethbridge and probably close to two hours to get to Calgary. Is there a place on the farm where you feel most connected to, to the land? Um, a place. Well, I mean, it depends what you mean by that, but I mean, I've, I've tried to always look at the, the improvement of the soil, right? So I guess the soil is the key to, uh, to all productivity on the farm. So if that's what you mean, then I guess my place is any of the soils on the farm. So some of this land was, was what you'd classify as marginal land and, and back in the day when they used to, uh, when they used to do quite a bit of tillage and they had no very poor selections of crop protection products and that kind of thing, um, there was quite a bit of soil erosion on this farm. So when my father's first started farming over at Carmengate, um, you know, he, he had quite a bit of uh, very marginal land that, that uh, half of the battle was just keeping it from blowing more. So he grew up crops that had uh, large amounts of straw like fall rye. And uh, the reason he did that, because he just wanted to cover that land and get as much uh, organic matter on it as possible so that it wouldn't blow anymore. So that's that was kind of instilled in me when I was a kid. Like, you do not let that land blow, right? Because that was th- that's soil destruction when you start letting it blow. Um, you take years of productivity out of it very quickly. So, you know, Dad stressed that, that whole uh, preserve your soil thing, right? So for me... That's kind of, I've been thinking of ways of improving it. And we've, we've done a lot of things on this farm to, to improve that soil dramatically from what it was back in 1963.
I mean, I asked that question and I was going to let you answer however you wanted to, but you, you answered in a way that obviously perfectly meshes with our conversation today. Uh, so this is the firmly in the brown soil zone, correct, Kevin? Yes, yeah, it's in the brown soil zone. Like it's it's it classified as dark brown, but I mean, uh, I would say it's more of a brown soil. But there, you know, it is. It, it, there's different soil textures here, and and because it was so light, um, you know, it's uh, it's more, acts more like the brown soil zone. But I think we are technically in the dark brown. And how much does that location, that soil type, influence the way you farm? Uh, quite a bit, um, especially uh, when we were trying to build soils. And now not all of our soils were, were terribly eroded, but we had that soils in mind. So we just kind of farmed everything with that in mind that you just don't get it blowing no matter what. Because you can get heavy ground blowing too. I mean, ask some of the guys who are, who are growing uh, beans or potatoes or things like that where they remove uh, all of the straw. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to keep good soils around when you uh, don't have anything covering it. So do I treat it differently? Yeah, the, the really marginal lands, uh, we, we, we're extremely careful with them, but I don't really treat anything different than, the, than anything else. So I, I, uh, I'm a little bit more careful in where I fill drills and that kind of thing on the really marginal stuff, but because uh, I don't want to pound any of the straw into the ground so it blows off the, off the soil. But um, I, I, I pretty well like to protect all of my soils no matter where they are or what kind they are. Did protecting the soil influence your decision to buy a stripper header? Is that is that the big part of it, or small part of it, or any part of it? Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, the soils of productivity, and I was always looking at ways of improving productivity. And I saw, you know, demonstrations of of how the stripper, like we get uh, some neighbors over here that were were using uh, uh, strippers before I was, and uh, you know, I I couldn't afford to be an innovator when I was uh, when we were farming here when I was younger. But I was sure watching the guys who were doing things right and trying to copy uh, what I could, right? Um, and I watched what these strippers did with uh, leaving his, all that straw on top of the ground, which basically kept the wind off the ground and and uh, kept the, the sun to some degree, but mostly the wind from from getting down to the ground level and, and causing causing its damage there. So yeah, it's uh, it's it, it definitely. It was definitely something that I wanted to increase my productivity, and that was part of it, right? And uh, you know, you increase your soil, you, you or you you protect your soil, you increase the productivity of your soil, you you also help the the ability to make a profit on your farm too. Can you describe the header? Yeah, they're kind of a uh, funny looking thing. The shellborn is a big big blue uh, enclosed. Uh, thing so you don't really even see hardly any moving parts on it when it's going down the field. Um, it's got a hood that lifts up, with, you know, when it's not operating. You can lift it up and look in at the auger and the and the, uh, the rotor in there that spins and grabs the uh, heads off the or heads or pods or whatever off the plants. Um, and uh, but going down the field, it's actually kind of nice. Uh, there's very little eye fatigue from watching this thing, right? I remember when we used to have the old uh, the old uh, reels on that, <laughs> and I could say old reels, and that's basically the norm in agriculture. 
with a straight straight header is you got a reel out there, right? And it's going around and round back and forth. And of course, at night when you got lights shining on this, that used to be a a real eye fatigue thing, right? Well, you just don't have that with the with the shellborn. So it's just this big blue uh, with silver on a rectangle uh, traveling in front of your combine, mowing down the crop as you go. And not, when I say mowing down, I don't mean mowing it down, but uh, just uh, harvesting the crop that's there and pushing it over, taking the heads off and, and the pods off. And, and uh, you know, the most of the plant's still standing there when you, yeah. when you get over it. I never thought of the eye fatigue, but so take me under the hood then. When you when you lift this thing or look inside, what do those rotors look like? Uh, well, there's these um, these fingers on there. There's they're uh, they're long rows of of what almost look like fingers. Um, it's hard to say describe it without showing you a picture, but uh, they go right the the full length of the header. Like a th- I have a 32 foot header on my combines. And uh, they go right the full length. I think there's eight rows of them, eight eight rows, ten rows, something like that. They're they're even, anyways. Uh, rows of these things, and they spin around. It probably you know it, you can vary the speeds, but I think you know you're running you know four or five, six hundred RPM that they're spinning around, and uh, they go around that drum. Now that rakes into your crop and lifts it up against the hood. Where you know any uh, uh, seeds would collect it or hit against that hood and just keep on bouncing until they come, the rotor comes around, and uh, there's kind of a a little pan in behind, and that's where um, the uh, the auger that looks just like a regular combine auger, an auger header auger, is uh, busy taking away all the all the crop material, mostly seed, to the uh, to the combine for threshing. And can you harvest all crops with this? You can, and I know guys that even do lentils with them. I haven't had, I haven't uh, tried it with lentils. I think the, the stripper does better with with more material. I've seen that my losses are actually worse with uh, with uh, thin crops than than what I've seen percentage wise, anyways, than what uh, a heavier crop because it almost needs to be pushing in and through that crop as it goes to uh, um, have something to push against right and it rakes against it rakes it up and and up it goes if there's nothing on the other side and that finger hits before you know it can push anything um, into a plant material or anything there's it can push out in front right and then it just drops to the ground so it's so as far as crops goes i i use it on everything I mean, if you have, you know, like any street combining, you, you know, especially canola, I use the pod shatter resistant varieties, right? You have to, but with street combining, you probably should anyways, but it's really important with the, uh, with the stripper header, because you're basically pushing a little bit on the hood before you even get, uh, get to the stripper drum itself, right? Or the rotor itself. So that initial push, if you didn't have a pod shatter variety, you might break the pod open. Um, before it can even get harvested by the by the uh, spinning rotor there. Combines are designed for a decent amount of bulk coming through. So without having all the that stem material, do you how do you adjust the combine so you're getting a, a proper threshing job? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I run I run probably a little bit tighter than what uh, the what you would with a uh, uh, you know with uh, putting all the straw in. Um, 
but and and slower i don't run my rotor as fast a lot of times either but i mean you get things like wheat you still got to keep you run things tight anyways but uh, um so it's just it, whatever your settings your ranges i usually run on the on the tighter end of that right so um that's that's how i run it I, one one thing that's really nice is i can do probably as much crop as the next class sizer than uh, higher than uh, than what i'm using so i'm like using old 9770 combines but uh um you know they're what a class eight i think or class seven but basically i'm i'm just flying around that field like i had a, the next size bigger combine just because you aren't putting all that material through I those wish are john get, deere's yeah 9770 yeah John Deere 9770s, and yeah, you can fly around that field a lot faster than than you would normally uh, because you just start putting that material through. So, do you check for losses out the back? Uh, yeah, to, uh, you know, like as much as anybody, right? You know, uh, you uh, you have to make sure you're doing bad things back there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. How long have you been using the stripper header, Kevin? Uh, I got my first one back. When was that? It's got to be close to a, a decade now, I would think. It's got to yeah, be close. Yeah. And you, you overall, so that you've had, you've bought more than one, which means uh, my, my next question is, are you are you happy with it, or would you go back to a, a different system? No, I'm gonna keep doing using these stripper headers as long as I'm farming. I don't want to go to anything else if, unless I'm forced to or something. Um, no, I, I like these strippers. In fact, I got two more ordered. I'm going to buy brand new ones next year. These two I bought are both used, right? One was at, a, at an auction sale. The second was an auction sale. And the first one I, I bought privately from a guy uh, south of Lethbridge there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely sold on them. I, like I say, I've got two new ones coming, not for this harvest, but for uh, they're coming for next year. So the obvious next question for me is um, you've got all of this straw standing, long straw. You don't have as much chopped residue. How do you manage that? How do you plant into it? What is it? How does it change your seeding operation? Well, fortunately for me, I've been running a, a disc opener. And even even before I got the uh, the, the stripper header, I, I had... Uh, uh, a disc opener so i've been using disc openers for for what that's like gotta be 25 no more than 25 years already we've been using disc openers here so and lately i've been using these these pillar openers from uh well i've got the whole pillar drill from uh they're made in saskatchewan there but uh it goes through it goes through that that uh strips strips that tall strip stuff very well so you have to have the system. You can't just go stripping and then think you're going to go through it with a hoe drill because you won't. That's why I have one of the strippers that I have is because the guy basically um, had this thing and he tried to seed into it with his hoe drill and he had nothing but trouble. So he put it up for sale and I bought it. So I, I was fortunate enough to, <laughs> to get my first one that way. So yeah, if you're going to if you're going to do it, it's a system. You have to have a, a, a disc drill and a, a you know a, a, a way of seeding through that 
before you do it. Because if you're going to just get rid of the straw afterwards, if you strip it and then you go swath it and bale the straw, what you haven't, you haven't taken advantage of that tall straw, which in the dry country down here, dry, windy country, like that's where the advantage is. You leave all that straw stand there. So you don't want to lose that by by losing the straw afterwards. So get the drill. If you're going to get the stripper header, you got to have the drill to, to go through it. And is the straw standing, like once you're done combining, have you got three or four foot stems all over the place or does it flatten it over? Where, where you drive, it flattens it over, but everywhere else it's standing. It's funny because if you have stuff that's a little bit lodged, when you after you go through it with a stripper header, it's actually standing taller than where you haven't combined. So it looks kind of funny because the stuff that's combined is is taller than the stuff that isn't combined. So it actually picks it up after you you uh, pull the heads off. And do you think there's an advantage to having that that residue standing rather than in a mat on the soil surface? Oh, definitely. Huge. Why? Advantage. Well, because you're not seeding, you're seeding uh, with all that straw up in the air rather than kind of plowing through it on the ground, right? Now, it's funny, when I first started using a disc drill, I thought I was going to have to go in and do what what, I, what you would call maybe emergency tillage or whatever to uh, get rid of a thatch. Because if you're never ever working your straw in, how does the straw ever get in the ground, right? That's what I thought when I first started doing this. Um, but if, if you're leaving the the soil biome alone you've got so many bugs in that soil that are going to come up and eat that that uh, that straw um, that you never as long as you, you haven't killed the, your your soil biome you know what I mean you're they're coming up and getting the straw anyways I've been doing this even on irrigation I haven't haven't tilled anything on my farm since uh, 1998 was the last time anything got tilled on my farm and so we put in irrigation uh, uh, more irrigation on in 2009, which was, uh, you know, well into my no-till. So I was already building up that soil, the soil microorganisms and organisms that uh, that live off the, the carbon and, the, and all the nutrients in that straw, right? I was already building that up by 1999 when we put the, put the irrigation on. And then in 1999, I thought, oh, for sure, I'm going to have to start uh, start tilling something because once you start growing those big irrigation crops, you you can't get away with it. Well, between my crop rotation and uh, and all the bugs in the soil, I I still haven't tilled anything in in uh, even on the irrigation. So it can be done. It's just you, I, I crop rotate too, which makes a difference, right? So I, I grow different crops that some are, some are less straw, you know, some are, some are more straw, but uh, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't build up. Like, you know, three years later, you, you, I defy you to tell me what I, what, what I grew on there three years before, right? Like it, it, uh, it's just gone. Well, not gone, it's in the soil. Hmm. I, I want to, dwelling on the system again, I want to go back to the, the disc opener, the disc drill you use. What is it about the pillar that that's different or, or better than any other disc drill for your farm? Well, I mean, I didn't. I, I like it, and it's 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 uh, it works well. I've kept it because it does work well. I'm not going to say it's better than others. In some ways, it is, right? I don't think it's a perfect drill, but it sure works pretty good here for for this soil and what we're doing. 
But what, what makes, is it? But yeah, what, Kevin, what, what is it? Yeah, what makes it different? Yeah, exactly. What I like about it is it's, it's actually, a, they, they call it a disc hoe. So what they have is they have a compound angled disc, right? And that's what's opening your soil. And then tucked right in along the back of that, that, um, that disc, uh, in behind that compound angle is a, a little hoe that's uh, just, it works almost like a scraper on the disc as well. But that's where you drop your seed in. So you get about probably an inch of separation between your fertilizer and your uh, and your uh, seed. And that little hole on the back of the hoe is, you know, probably spreads it out about an inch wide. So you get a little bit of a, a little bit of a spread. And on a 10 inch spacing, that's not, that's not a huge seedbed utilization, but, but uh, it's, uh, it's enough that, uh, that, you know, your, your plants canopy in fairly quickly anyways. So, but I, I like that, that cutting through with the disc, which almost works like a coulter, right? And then the hoe, you get your, your good seed to soil contact from that hoe in behind there, right? As long as you get the closure. And in this soil, it works good. I get, I seem to get the closure good too, right? So for, for the system, we've got mm -hmm. the stripper header, we've got the disc drill. Any other important component of, of your system? Well, you got to have a good sprayer, I guess. Uh, you need good. The reason I like a good sprayer is because then you're uh, making good use of your herbicides because we're, you know, everybody's starting to talk about herbicide resistance, right? So um, if you're going to use herbicides, you better use them right, right? <laughs> and uh, so a sprayer is important too, right? So there's your big three, um, your big three operations on your farm that are that are going to make or break your operation, right? So you do any one of them wrong, you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna make it. You harvest wrong, you're not gonna make it. You know you're losing money there. If you uh, don't get you don't don't get good herbicide uh, um, activity and and uh, you know if you don't use your herbicides or pick your herbicides properly, you're gonna you're gonna end up getting in trouble. It might take longer, but but uh, you'll you'll get in trouble one way or the other. Either the weeds are going to take you over now, or you're going to build resistance for the future. And then your seeding operation, you have to get that crop uh, seeded and uh, and out of the ground, right? Once that's that's half your battle, just getting it getting a good crop out of the ground. That's great, Kevin. Thank you for this. Any anything I missed asking? Anything I should have asked uh, that that farmers would want to know? Well, I'm, I'm probably using like, uh, I, I, I should work it out sometime. I should go look at fuel bills per acre and my energy per acre compared to what we do now. It's like, you know, it's funny, like the government talks about this, this uh, fertilizer reduction and, uh, and carbon and all this other stuff, which is very important. Don't get me wrong. I want to, I want to save the, the, the planet too. If you, you know what I mean? I want to be good to the environment too, but what we're doing here is using so much less fuel for our compared to our productivity it's just like it's it's huge like we're not talking we're using half the diesel per per unit of production we're probably at a quarter and i should actually work out the math i should go work, dig out some old financial statements or something and figure out what it is because i know it's huge uh, the amount of diesel that we uh, that we save the energy 
usage compared to the productivity that we have is just off the charts for for uh, more productive on the same amount of energy that we use to get it. That brings this podcast to an end. Thank you, Kevin Ock from Carmen Gay, Alberta, for the conversation. If you want more farmer podcasts like this one, send me some feedback by email to wetterj at canolacouncil.org. That's W-H-E-T-T-E-R-J, just the initial J. For more on canola harvest management in general, please see the harvest section at canolaencyclopedia.ca. This is so good, and I want to get it out there before harvest. I'm not saying people are going to run out and get a stripper header between now and the next two weeks. <laughs> but um, I ordered mine in, uh, uh, what was that, June? Yeah, I think it was June I ordered mine, and that's for 2023, and that was the last one, right? Like, if you ordered after that, you were getting them getting yours in 2024, so... Um, it's one of those things there's a lot of demand for and there are getting to be more and more people that are realizing just what they are right and I don't think it's just supply energy or supply issues supply chain issues it's people want these things right they they uh, they're seeing the value of it this has been a canola watch podcast my name is Jay Wetter thank you very much for listening